Our scripture reading this morning is Acts 26, verse 1 through 29. Acts 26, 1 to 29. That is found on page 1739 in your pew Bible. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our twelve tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night, O King. It is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that it is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme in my in my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from their darkness to light, turn their darkness from light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied, but I am what I am saying is true and reasonable. 
The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it is what it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Great. Thank you, Brian. What a, what a beautiful story. If Paul, we're going to be reflecting on as we do so, uh, let's begin by praying together. Almighty God, your word, your word read before us this morning uh, speaks of your power, of your vision, of your love at work in this world and in our lives. And we pray that as your word, that ancient word, uh, touches our lives, our church, our ministry, the vision that you give us to call people to salvation, Lord, that, that you would inspire us again through it and that we would take our place and do the work you call us to do by your leading, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Our text is verse 19, where it says very specifically, Paul says, I was not disobedient to the vision that I received. And so the, the, the title of the message to remaining true to the vision that God has given us. Congregation of Jesus Christ, it's exciting to be together on this, this journey of renewal. We are reflecting together, too, on, on God's renewing work in our lives and as a church. And it's exciting things are happening also just in, in small ways uh, among us. And let me just ask you, uh, if you were here on Monday, we had just a little bit of excitement here, didn't we? We had, as our Thanksgiving service, for those of you who weren't here, we had opportunity to give thanks, and so we did. And then at the end of the service, someone had given us as a church a significant donation, which was then placed as cash money in two plates and passed around the congregation. And people on Monday were given the opportunity to take funds out of those plates and to use those funds to bless others. And so, actually, several thousand dollars was distributed through our church on Monday, and I want to know a little bit from you what happened. I know I went to a person, too, who God laid on my heart, and I shared with them the funds that I received on Monday, and they were, they were so thankful. And that's exactly the vision that we have as a church too. And as we, as we thought about Thanksgiving and then as we read that, that passage from 2 Corinthians 9, Monday morning, where it says, as we are generous, God will be praised. And that's exactly what happened. And I hope as, as those of you who were here did that too, that you experience that again 
a vision that we have as a church to live out our faith in a very generous way is, is one of the things too. Why, why does someone donate the funds? I have no idea who donated those funds. But they, by God's grace, had a vision too that we as a church would continue to be that generous presence in our community and to those around us. And so living that out to the glory of God. Those are the kind of things we're thinking about this morning as a vision of God for us as a church. What do we need to do? We need to be a blessing to those around us. That's why we're here. And as much as we are able, that's what we are called to do. I also want to ask you uh, a second thing. Uh, Did you have opportunity to read through the, the readings in the book of Acts? Surely, very good. (laughs) I'm not going to take a show of hands, actually. I would encourage you, however, to do so. We are, as a church, as being on this renewal journey, wanting to let God speak into our lives by his word and also just personally to read through his word. And so you'll see in the bulletin, too, a reading list of the book of Acts. And in that where we see also just some some directed questions that help us reflect on what what God would have us do as a church. And and again, too, I was reading in relation to Acts chapter 3 and that that how, how God used very ordinary people. Really, those apostles, those disciples, they, they were a lot like us. They were, they were like farmers and fishermen and, and, and by God's grace, by his spirit, he, he worked in them and through them and he gave them a vision of, of you can be my servants, my apostles. And they actually stepped forward and said, okay, that's, that's who I am then. And they received that vision and they, they stepped forward and began to do things that, that God directed them to do, sharing the gospel and guiding the people to faith. And so we too want to continue to be encouraged by God's word. And so I encourage you to do the readings, let them speak to you. And as they do, share with others, share with me too your reaction. Today we read from Acts 26. And we are looking here at the second aspect of renewal. Last Sunday, we looked at the first aspect, abiding in Jesus. And I I just began, I laid out for you the four walls of our building that we're going to look at four different things that really ground our our work of being renewed as a church and in terms of our ministry. And the first wall is is Jesus, abiding in Jesus. And so we have the cross reminding us always, why are we here? What are we doing? It's not a social occasion. It's not a club. It is a church where Jesus is at the center. And all we do and all we say, we want to abide in him. That's why we have his word at the center. That's why we pray to him. So clearly the center of of us as church to take hold of that again in a rich and good and strong way. Jesus, our Lord. And even, even I would suggest to you, uh, like this chair, the chair is a little covered. Uh, let me just 
in terms of that, let me just add one little detail here. You notice we have this chair. This chair is always here at the front of the church. Have you noticed that? No. Yes. Here it is. Have you noticed that I don't actually sit in it too often, do I? No. I would like you to reflect on this chair. And some, some churches have it even at meetings where there's an empty chair. And the vision is that the Lord Jesus is sitting here. That the living Lord Jesus himself is sitting right here as we are worshiping. And that he is present, that he is interested and involved, and that he is looking out at you, and he is, he is praying for me, that we would be the church, that, that he would be central in. So, so that's the kind of first essential. We are gathering here. Jesus is here with us. He is among us, and he asks us to love and serve and, and respond to him. Every Sunday, again, reminded of that. So the chair, I think, too, is helpful in that. We definitely have the cross, his wondrous sacrifice, his resurrection, his living presence among us. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that, that we remain true to the vision. Jesus has a vision of who we are and what we would do. And that's the second wall here, and that wall has windows. And that wall has us looking out, looking out, bringing the good news, bringing the gospel. And so we are going to focus on that this morning. The first thing I want to say is just to give you the context of Acts chapter 26, then let that word speak into our hearts and lives. This is, this is Paul's vision, but where is he now? In Acts 26, Paul has been arrested because, because he's been spreading the good news. He's been sharing the gospel with Gentiles. And, and the Jewish people feel that's not appropriate. In fact, in the, in the biblical accounts, as we're reading even up to Acts 15, as we read through Acts together, those first chapters, it's pretty well understood by those who are following Jesus at that time that faith is just for the Jews. And it's not for people, Gentiles, outside. And that's a little bit like us, sitting here, looking at each other, thinking, oh, faith is just for us, sitting here. And we just come and sit here and, and talk together and look together and listen together, and Jesus is here, absolutely, but we're just, we're just here together, and that's all that it is. That's not the vision. The vision is to go out to go out with the good news to others who you might say, I might say, wait a minute, they, they don't really measure up. They don't really deserve it. Wait a minute, we never measured up either. We never deserved it at all. But God's grace brought us in and we are called to bring them in. So the vision is bigger 
And we have to be clear about that. And so Paul is doing that, and he has been arrested uh, because the Jews have charged him with causing unrest in the empire. And so he is here before Governor Festus, who is a Roman governor, and King Agrippa, who is the one, uh, a descendant of King Herod, who is actually ruling part of Israel, the, the, the ancient Jewish people. So King Agrippa actually knows a lot about the Jewish faith and the Jewish people. Festus doesn't. He's just a new governor. And so Agrippa is here to help Festus understand what's going on because the Jews have brought charges against Paul because he is preaching the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles and Festus is wondering what, what's, what's the problem here and he doesn't understand. And so in the midst of all of that, Paul is given an opportunity to declare the good news of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. And so Paul has been spreading the good news and he continues to declare that vision of God at work in a redeeming way. And so, so that's the initial context of the chapter. And then I want to just, just as we look at this, give you the bigger context even than that. Because within that context of Acts chapter 26, there is the bigger vision that God has and that God remains true to. God in heaven is, is driven, is determined, is, is absolutely focused Ever since his beautiful creation fell into sin, Genesis 3, ever since that happened, from that very day, God has had one single vision in mind. He is going to restore that fallen creation. That's God's vision. That's the really big vision. And so we see effects of the fall and the brokenness of this world in the sin and the wars and the crimes and in all of the things and even in the reality of death which never was supposed to be part of this creation at all. And God says, I am gonna get rid of that. That's God's vision. And all his energy and all his intellect and all his effort and everything, he is ready to die in order for that vision to be worked out. And he does. He does. That's the vision. That's what we need to recognize. There's a, a huge vision that we are a part of, but that God is doing. And that's the vision that Paul is also part of as God is working in him. The vision of restoring drawing people out of darkness into God's marvelous light, which is also mentioned in verse 18. I send you to turn them from darkness to light, the hopelessness of sin and death, to the wonder of God's saving grace in Jesus Christ and life in him now and eternally. So I want to look at, at more specifically that vision worked out in Paul's life and in our life. That vision is essential to what we are about as a church. And like Paul in Acts, we have a vision that drives us. 
a clear vision of Jesus as the head of the church. And then, like Jesus stopped Saul and told him what he needed to do, Jesus wants to stop us today and explain, remind to us again his vision for us as a church. Because often we can lose the vision. We can get off track. We're really, we're really not really sure why we do things. We just do the same thing. You think, why exactly are we doing these things? What's the purpose? What's the goal? To regain, to remain in the vision. That's the goal this morning. So in chapter 26, Paul is referring back to an actual vision he has received in Acts chapter 9. Uh, at that time, uh, he, he was called Saul. The actual changing of his name is a sense of, of the, the, the complete uh, transformation. The events in Acts 9, he is stopped on the Damascus Road. He's going there to persecute Christians. And, and he is blinded, and that's a, a, a demonstration of his blindness that, that he's not following God. He doesn't know what God is really doing. He's, he is fighting against God. And so that's why Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? When, when on the one hand, he's thinking he's doing what's okay, but it's not okay. And so he is confronted with the living Lord Jesus, and, and at that point... He takes hold of this solid basis. Jesus is the Messiah. He takes that into view. Absolutely. He understands. Jesus himself speaks to Paul. Paul says, oh, you are the Savior. I thought it was all just, just, just a lie, but you are. So he, he has that center Jesus confronts him and Paul responds that Jesus is truly the Messiah of God. He is the Savior of this fallen world. And from there, then, then Jesus gives him a vision, very specific vision. You are going to go to the Gentiles. That's the call on his life. This is what he needs to do. And that's what becomes his understanding of, of who he is and what he does. This is who I am, a follower of Jesus, and this is what I do. I, I share the good news to those outside. That's, he takes hold of that. That is the vision he has. It's an extraordinary vision. I just want to highlight to you how, how unusual that vision is. When Jesus, in Matthew 9 and 10, Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, we looked at that, the urgency of our work. And then he says in chapter 10 of Matthew, go not to the Gentiles. Very specifically there, he says, don't go to the Gentiles. Because that's, that's, that's really a stretch. And, and even for Paul now, he's wondering, he, he wouldn't just have thought, oh, okay, oh, this is fine. No, it's, it's not easy to grasp. It's not immediately obvious that this would be God's will. God has been working uh, in, in the closer context of the Jewish people. And, and though there was possibility for others to come in, it wasn't huge to go out that way. Jesus in his own ministry went out, but otherwise it was definitely 
something that Paul could refuse, that Paul would, would, would simply say no. Ha, no way. I'm not doing that. And that would be almost like us saying too, well, wait a minute. No, we just do stuff in the church here. We just do stuff here. There's a lot to do here. We don't go out. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge stretch. But it says very specifically, and, and, and his, his words in verse 19, I was not disobedient to the vision. It, it crossed his mind often. Why am I doing this? This is not, but, but it was the vision, the vision God had given him, the extraordinary power of God giving him that bigger calling on his life. And so it became his life vision, in fact, his ministry to the Gentiles. And that caused his arrest here, and that's why he's even defending himself here in Acts 26. But the real center of, of, of our reflection here this morning is the power of that vision. He receives the vision, and, and he has it clearly before him, and it's such a powerful thing. Let me give you a few examples uh, of how vision can be so tremendously powerful. I, I just, just saw, even just uh, apart from the Christian faith, there was a, uh, a doctor who, wonderful heart, as a doctor to help and to cure and to be everything to people, right? And so this doctor was doing his work, and, and about 10 years ago, he, he got fed up with the system where you uh, take a test, a blood test, some kind of a sample, and it gets sent off, and about a week, two weeks, 10 days, it comes back, and then you finally find out what's going on. He said, I want to know now. I want the person there. I want the blood sample taken. And I want to know right now. And and he 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 thought, I am gonna make that. That that was the vision. To have that happen. And he worked at it for 10 years. Was the focus of his effort and energy. And now, in fact, he has just a little, a little uh, sample uh, sensing box he developed and then the proper uh, computer hardware with it. So you can go in and you can take a sample and you can put it in there and you can know. And he can say right away, oh, it's this, it's not this. Oh, it's that, it's not that. Do this, do that. Wonderful. But to keep going with the vision, otherwise it doesn't get done, it doesn't happen. You have a vision that you work with, that drives you, that directs you until you see the results. At classes this week, it was nice, as uh, another example, Ron DeVries has been our youth our youth director here in northern Alberta, we, we took him on to, to work among all the churches, and, and boy, he has a vision, a drive for youth ministry, has blessed our church too. He's 
all kinds of things, getting the leadership together, encouraging the youth. You can tell, this is his vision. And, and now he has opportunity. I just added a little note in terms of, he's gonna be for the entire denomination, all through North America, he is gonna be the youth guy. Because he has a vision that everywhere in every church in every way the youth would be reached for Christ. And so, so the vision drives him and he goes forward trusting in the Lord. So the power of vision, Paul embraced the vision. He dedicated himself to spreading the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles and despite significant hardship, he pursued that vision. In 2 Corinthians 11, it lists all the things that, that opposed him. And it's, it's an amazing list. You think, too, he, he should just have given up. And that's why, even here, when, when Festus listens to, to what Paul is doing and how he's, he's expressing himself. He says, you, you're, you're out of your mind. Why would you be so focused on this? It's, it's not reasonable, he feels. And also in, in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, it talks about what Paul has endured for the vision uh, in verse 23, it, it says, uh, he, he says himself, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I mean, this is, this is real dedication. He says, I have worked hard. I have been flogged. I have received the 40 lashes five times. I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned in Acts 14. You see how, how he was stoned for the sake of the gospel, left for dead. He says, I have been shipwrecked three times. I spent a night and a day on the open sea. I've been constantly on the move, in danger from bandits, and even from my own people in the city, in the country. I labor on. He has a vision. This is what God has called him to do. It's not, it's not easy. It's not just easy. But it's right, and it's true. And God blesses it in amazing ways. And so that's the vision Paul says I was not obedient, disobedient to. And even here, as, as we read through this, and you have to realize uh, Paul is on trial here, and, and this governor Festus and, and King Agrippa, I mean, they, can, they have all kinds of authority to do more nasty things to him. They can beat him and throw him in prison and do all kinds of things. And, and he, he doesn't ease up, right? He doesn't pull back. He even says in, in verse uh, 27, uh, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And, and Agrippa understands. Paul is trying to convert him. <laughs> what in the world? You should just be worried about yourself. I mean, you're in big trouble here, Paul. Maybe go easy on the message. Maybe don't, don't try to upset these guys. No way. He's right there. He said, you should believe. This is the hope that we have. And so you can see how Paul is fully engaged in the vision. Why? Why? Because he knows 
Jesus is the Savior of the world. And he knows it's the call on his life to share that good news. And so vision is so powerful in that way. And the question is, can we enter into that vision? Can we also, who are called as ordinary believers by God with with Jesus at the center, that we also look out? And I like it, we have windows on both sides. We look out, we look all around us. See where we can share this good news, God's call on our lives. That's, that's the challenge for us. I just want to suggest, too, that often we limit the vision. We are actually very good at that. And just, just to give you three examples, as, as we have the vision, and you can say to me this morning, too, oh, Pastor Mike, I agree with you. I agree with you, that's the vision of God and that's the vision of Jesus and, and as a church we need to do that and, and you can say to me and I'll agree with you, I live it out in my life. And so I try to live like a Christian and that's good. And I think we do that really well actually. We try to live as Christians. We live faithfully in marriage and and, and basically in our lives and we we seek to do good things as as Christians, right? Absolutely. Beautiful. But then then there's a limit, right? There's a limit. Say, well, well, I do that, but I don't, I don't actually, I don't actually talk about my faith with anybody. See? (laughs) See? I do everything else, and that's good. But the everything else is supposed to make it possible for people who don't say to you, why are you doing that? And you say to them, because Jesus is Lord of my life, and you need him as Lord of your life too. Oh, no, wait a minute, we don't say that. We don't say that, no. Somebody else maybe says that, but I don't say that. They say, no, you say that. And sometimes it can even be too, where people, people come to you and they, they wonder about, you know, why you do these things. And, 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 then, and then, I mean, it would almost be, and you know yourself, it would be so appropriate to say to them too, do you know the Lord? Can I, can I share with you the faith that I have? But, but instead, somehow you decide, hey, what about them blue jays? Yeah. <laughs> And you're off on something else, right? They say, well, wait a minute. What's really important? What's really necessary? What, what is the vision of who you are and why you're here that you can share that? And the third one in terms of, of us as a church, the vision of ourselves as a church in terms of our limiting that and and. I've heard this several times too and and this is where we need to reflect on our vision as church because what what happens too people uh, we come into contact with people and people are talking to us and they say oh you go to church and you say yeah I go to church and which church you go to oh I go to Bethel okay and then and then you say to them oh are you interested in going to a church and they say yeah and then what do we say oh oh what if you go to Wolf Creek? <laughs> because, because they're a church that, that brings people in, right? And we're, we're really not. 
What, what is that? That's, that's a vision that we have. Yeah, Wolf Creek, wonderful church. Absolutely. And they maybe have too, just a little more of a sense of reaching out in the community. But we, we do too. Man, Thursday night, 77 people we fed here. We minister to people at the hotel. We help people up and down. We have a vision for this community. And when the hotel owner in Lacombe has a person like Patrick Caldwell in his hotel and is thinking of a church where he can bring that person to that would embrace him and help him and support him, he brings that person to our church because he has a vision that this church ministers to this community and we don't even have that vision clearly in mind. We need to have that vision. That's our vision. That's who we are. So we can invite people to come. We can say, if you need to be part of a good church, a wonderful Bible-centered, good singing, caring fellowship, come here. This is the church you need to be part of. And if we each have the sense, too, of welcoming and encouraging everybody who comes here, build on that more and more. That's the vision as we want to be that gospel presence of Christ right here. So the vision is essential for renewal to happen, that powerful sense of who we are and why we are here. We're going to be reflecting on our vision as a church in the renewal process over the next couple months. And in that too, just to to be clear again, all that God is doing and has called us to do as we seek to serve him. We want to build a kingdom right here, a vision of connecting people to Christ. That's what we are called to do. That's our goal. And in actions and words, to live that out to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we pray that the vision of your power at work within us would continue to be clear and bold and strong in us, even as it was in your servant Paul, and how you blessed him in his ministry and mission, Lord, that you would also bless us as individuals and as church in the ministry. You call us to right here in Lacombe. Lord, we pray that as a church too, we could just recognize how you are working in wonderful ways. And we thank you for that. And we praise you for blessing the work that we do. Lord, we want to continue to be and build and grow your kingdom here in all we do. Lord, we humbly lay ourselves before you as our Savior and King. Guide us and lead us by your word and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.